Welcome to Pathway to Purpose, a podcast designed to help people live life to the fullest, chart their own path to purpose, and learn from the hardest moments in life and go from surviving to thriving. This podcast is dedicated to learning about health, hope, happiness, no matter what challenges you face. You learn to use your biggest challenges to heal and connect to your purpose and mission in life. And welcome to the show. In this episode of Pathway to Purpose, I am super honored I had Matt Cooksky on. Amazing, amazing person. Him and I go into great detail on um, finding our purpose, some of the misconceptions, and really kind of digging deep. And Matt is just amazing at really looking at the bigger picture, also uncovering some of the bigger challenges that keep us kind of blocked down. And uh, Matt reached out to me uh, as he listened to my podcast and was really excited to share some information with me. And then when we got got on a call, um, we just connected in some of similar things. And we've gone through similar journeys in our past, which has been pretty awesome. And I love this podcast and I encourage you to uh, listen to it to the end. It is just really amazing. He talks about some uh, really ways to help unblock. He's a coach, a therapist. He's got really a great, unique perspective, which I am super fascinated about. Um, the great thing, too, that I wanted to do this intro on is he has opened up a, uh, a page on his site uh, for anybody who's listening to this podcast who may have questions, and it's Matthew Cooksey forward slash Todd. So it's MatthewCooksey.com forward slash Todd. And I'm going to put that in the show notes. So if you have any questions, anything at all, um, feel free to reach out to him. And on another note, um, if this had brought some value to you, send me a message. Any other topics that would help bring um, any value or things that you um, feel would help in your journey in life, uh, feel free to shoot me a note at Todd at ToddAngelucci.com. And uh, I encourage you to really like get those get the listening ears going on this and see what comes up for you. And if anything comes up for you at all, uh, reach out to Matt and uh, enjoy the show. All right, welcome to Pathway to Purpose. I am super excited about today's guest. Um, I just have to give this intro because um, I was impressed by by this gentleman here. He had uh, listened to my podcast and, and he reached out and really offered some insight and value. And, and I was just really blown away. And I sent an email back. Like I feel like there's there was a divine kind of intervention, and it's because we both do are kind of along very similar lines in how we think, you know, our our journeys in certain situations and some philosophies. We had a a, a wonderful conversation, and um, I wanted to introduce. I'm going to call him Matt Cooksey. It's MatthewCooksey.com. That's his website, in which we'll talk at the at the end. He's a coach, 
therapist. Um, and we got into this conversation around purpose. And um, one of the things that, one of many things about purpose is um, it seems like a lot of people are searching for some sort of purpose. I, I remember years ago, I did a Google search on purpose and it was really hard to find some concrete information around it. And so today we're going to talk, we're just going to unpack and see where this goes and share our journeys for sure. And the experiential, the one thing I like about Matt is like myself, I'm a student of what we teach. We've done it and it's not this like theoretical, it's based on experience. So Matt, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you so, so much for your introduction. It, it was so great to connect with you just prior to us recording this episode and feel this really deep sense of alignment that you just described. And I'm so happy to hopefully today start to shed a little bit of light on this question of purpose and, you know, how it can both unlock so much in our lives, but also make us miserable even. Um, the very thing that we're here to, to learn from and grow through can sometimes become very confusing and difficult. So I look forward as we work through this conversation together to, to hopefully clearing some of that confusion up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, today I spent some time and I usually like to do some inner kind of connection on the topic, on different things and just kind of do it, do a internal check. And I saw so many sides of this, you know, of this search and, you know, my experience has been that, you know, for a long time, I was searching for something mm. and realized at the end of it all, it was all within. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your, your experience. Well, can I just say that my experience lines up perfectly with yours? Because <laughs> I was I was just like that. You know, I had all the stuff that we're told will make us happy. You know, I had the, the career, the house, the car, the lifestyle, the income, all of that kind of stuff. And I was absolutely miserable and I felt lost. And one day, I, it was actually on my 30th birthday and my mom walked into the house and she's like, happy birthday. <laughs> and I like just burst into tears. I'm, and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I have no idea. I didn't even know where to begin to even answer that question. I just felt so lost. And funnily enough, later that day, I dragged myself to the gym and I was running on the treadmill and my water bottle fell from the treadmill onto the, the um, turntable. And I literally fell off the treadmill like in the middle of the gym at my lowest ebb. And I literally fell off the treadmill. And then it was only later I realized the irony that a treadmill is a road to nowhere. Um, but that only, you know, dawned on me later. 
story. Perfect metaphor for, you know, like I'm pounding this treadmill, like I'm pounding away in life, looking for something and going basically nowhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that late, late, like I got off this treadmill or was throwing off this treadmill and I went down to, they had this really beautiful jacuzzi area. I call this like my jacuzzi moment because I was, I got into that jacuzzi probably the most depressed and anxious and unhappy I'd ever been in my life. And I sat there and had like this parting of the clouds moment where suddenly it was almost like hearing from my higher self or from the universe or from God or whatever your word is for that. And, and it simply said, you don't have to do any of this. Hmm. And it just, it hit me in a way that like, it was like divine intervention and it was an invitation to change my life. And that's really what led me to start down this journey about 14 years ago of really actually putting aside all of this stuff that I've been doing to please other people and actually figure out like what's in tune with me, what really lights me up. And yet the interesting thing is, as we're going to allude to here in this conversation, that moment really left me looking for this perfect thing out there in the world that was like, suddenly the answer was like, oh, okay, a purpose is going to make me happy. Okay, great. Another thing, just another thing out there in the world that I need to get that will make me feel happy. And to your point about your discovery that, ultimately you realized it was all inside. I've really in those 13, 14 years come full circle where I've realized that actually it's exactly the opposite way around that actually, if I discover that I'm whole and complete in here, then a purpose just pours out of me and it can't help but happen like that. I love that. Because that is that's been my experience, right? We could search. I, I I read it somewhere, and this was years ago. Searching where it cannot be found, just mm. that that comment. And I love what you said about you know being whole, and it doesn't mean being perfect, right? Mm. It doesn't because there is no perfect. So tell me more about what you mean by that you know right. like go deep yeah. on that well look i uh what i specialize in doing in my community is serving people who they just know in their being that they are here to contribute to a better happier healthier saner world and very often they come to me when they have really tried to set aside the classical things that we're all meant to be doing. And they've really tried to create something, an entrepreneurial thing, a artistic thing or a leadership thing or whatever. They have really, really tried to live the purposeful life, we could say. Like they've really tried to live this thing that they just sort of know they're here for. And they come to me because they're like, I'm still really self-conscious. I'm still real. I'm not feeling whole. 
I'm like they're, they're, they're really describing the opposite of a feeling of wholeness. They're self-conscious. They're still caught in this kind of imposter syndrome. Uh, they're people pleasing. They're stuck like you just called out in perfectionism and having to get everything just right. And they're like, they're saying to me very often, like, this can't be it. I'm like, I, I'm passionate about this thing, this cause or this initiative or whatever, but it's like I'm ruining it for myself. It's like I'm, I'm spoiling it and, I'm, and I can't do it like this. I just, I can't do it like this. So help, like, what, what do I do? And where I lead people is to kind of just put all of the activity and the doing down for a moment and to really guide them to see that to lead a life of purpose, I think what people really mean when they're saying that is they want to live from something that is not constantly self-obsessed, self-conscious. They want to live from something that feels more generous and we could say more whole, more naturally complete and whole. And in this sort of crisis moment, they realize that they're never going to create this generous movement or purpose from this self-conscious place. And so, so I kind of guide them through a process of putting the doing down for a moment and really examining who they're being. Who are you being? What is happening? in your being and that's where things start to get really interesting because then we have a very different conversation where it's all about the discovery of what we really are of our deeper nature and as you said earlier the thing i love about this journey is that it's not as if we do that we discover our deeper nature on a mountaintop. We can do that or in a cave. It's not like we have to retreat from life to discover our deeper nature. Actually, I find it so helpful to have people in the gritty reality of their lives. And then what I ask is lots of questions that help people trace back the circumstances that they're noticing and the behaviors that they're exhibiting in their life that are kind of spoiling it for themselves. And we trace that back inside and we understand what is happening in here that is creating a being that feels so incomplete, so insufficient that you would turn this whole thing into some kind of referendum on your validity as a human being instead of just giving the gift you have to give. I love that. I, you know, my mind went to a bunch of different places when you were sharing that. And I started, you know, in my own journey, I really realized that I had to look inside at the, the uncomfortableness left some clues and, and, and guided, you know what I mean? Oftentimes, Matt, people, myself included, we run away from pain, right? It's a normal human response. We have some pain, right? Let me <laughs> re remove it. Let me stop it. 
Totally. And one of the things that, and I like what you shared about is like, let's unpack this mm-hmm. and see how this shows up in our life. And you sent me this email and I love how you worded it. And it's break down the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So if everything was good, would you be seeking help or right right i I mean i think that's one of the things that i loved about the premise of your podcast pathway to purpose because you know you're really talking about using our biggest challenges in life to create the very breakthrough that actually connects you to a purposeful life and i was just having i mean i was just having this conversation with a client uh this week and this, this guy is an amazing guy. And I look at this person and he's exactly like what I just described. He, he is the, he's a gentle giant of a human being, the kind of person who could totally change the world without a question. And yet he, what he brought to me, to your point about how we often react to our pain by trying to push it away, So he's learning through this work that I'm doing with him that we're not going to push that stuff away. We're actually going to look at it, but we're going to look at it in a really productive, helpful way. We're not going to get lost in it. And that's an art form in itself that we can talk a little bit about. Um, But he, what he brought is like, I'm afraid of my fear. I'm afraid of fear. And this guy is not creating the change in the world that I know he could because every time fear inevitably comes up as it, as it will do, he experiences a secondary fear in response to the primary fear that has him put down all of the tools, stop moving forward and retreat and go back into hiding. And this is a cycle that he's been stuck in for a long time. And he sent me a video just yesterday. Like he gives me goosebumps just thinking about this because he sat down yesterday with his fear. I gave him the challenge to do five scary things this week and to do those things with a very open mind about fear. He had this notion that fear is stopping him from living his life. And as he sat down with his fear, he suddenly had this, to go to your point about the breakdown that leads to the breakthrough. He's like in the breakdown of this and he and he actually just sat still in the breakdown, which we don't easily do. And out of the breakdown, he went, oh my God, fear hasn't been stopping me doing things. Fear has been empowering me in all these ways. There's all these things in my life. I look around and I see my marriage, my business, my kids, like all of this different stuff. And if I had not had fear in my life, I would never have achieved half of these things. And he's kind of, he sent me this message yesterday and he's like, oh my God, I think I might be falling in love with fear. Um, (laughs) And what I know for sure is if this guy if this amazing human being can fall in love with fear, then there is nothing he can't do. Right. There is 
he's free, he's liberated, you know? And so this is the, this is the joy of being able to, you know, turn inward. I think that we share that, you know, that when I met you, I'm like, oh my God, this is a guy who has done so much of that turning in, in work. You like, from what you've told me about your story, it just, it moved my heart so much hearing just your huge commitment to doing this inner work. It's just, it's just so beautiful. So like a really shout out to you, Todd, for your courage and determination to do that, that work since such an early age as well for you. I appreciate that, Matt. And, and honestly, the work that you're doing with this, and, and I'm going to call it out IFS, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. I'm going to, I want to have you, you know, I've been involved in that for a very long time. Right. It was life changing for me. Mm. Um, and I think it's starting to get a lot of recognition. Yeah. I've seen it out in, in some mainstream podcasts, people talking about it. Mm. And it's been really well at helping people with trauma. And honestly, I feel like we all have some layer of trauma. Would you mm. agree to that comment? I totally and wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with that. And I think the degree, like the probably the people who are most resistant to agreeing with that statement probably have the most trauma. Um, <laughs> you, you know, because um, it's hard, it's really hard to accept, I think, for a lot of people, especially if you're a very high-functioning person. How much of high-functioning life is ultimately driven by people's trauma? How many high-performing athletes, CEOs, are driven by a deep insecurity of not being sufficient? And how much of our culture and society is an outgrowth of that traumatic underpinning? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Right, right. The one thing that I'm not, you know, that, that, that kept me in the fight or in the, you know, not in the fight, but in the work, like, mm. this, this is work, right? Like there's, there's doing some sort of inner work was that I was not going to give up because it, it just, I realized that I didn't want to use a label. And I wasn't even aware of a label at the time, to be honest with you, you know, because sometimes I feel like labels can give me a way to kind of not look at it. Totally. Or to wear it. Like, well, I it have becomes like a, a badge of honor and, a, and another layer of defense mechanism. And, and at the same time, I can also hear so many people have such a sense of relief when they hear the label because it helps explain you know what they're actually experiencing and so it's a double i think just like everything in life the more you (laughs) the more you look at life the more you see that we live in a dualistic human experience and almost anything that you can think of in life is inherently helpful and totally unhelpful all at once and so this this sort of labeling 
of, um, you know, I've got this condition or I've got trauma or I don't have trauma or I need a purpose or I, oh, that's bullshit. I don't need a purpose. You know, like there's truth to all of it and, there's, and there's rubbish in all of it too. You know, there's, it's a, it's a dichotomy. There's a dichotomy for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, cause the funny thing was, is I wasn't aware and I, I wasn't sure what the people I was working with um, on a lot of the inner work I did they didn't use them, but I did, to your point on the dichotomy, after the fact, realize that I did have trauma. You know, I did have a label. And to your point, it made sense. If I'm like, okay, it gives me, like, this is the reason why I'm not going mad. <laughs> right? I'm not, like, lo losing my mind. Right. right? And, but it also was okay now what can i what can i do about this so share with me share with the audience a little bit about ifs yeah about how you got involved with it and yeah. a little bit in your experience well look um i i i lead people through this 10 week process that i call a shadow quest and what it's about is getting to know and meet the parts of ourselves that we have been told and have internally reinforced over and over are bad, bad or unwanted. You know, this is so, so common, like, so much of the self-help and self-improvement and personal growth literature reinforces the idea that there are good parts of you and there are bad parts of you. Our parenting reinforces that. Our school system reinforces that. And we spend our lives trying to build the good parts. And I'm using like air quotes here because I'm... I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that they are good parts, but that's what we're told. So we spend our lives trying to build up the good parts and almost eradicate the quote unquote bad parts. And we're surprised that we don't feel whole. <laughs> like what? Because I've got three kids under four and I look at them and I see them in their quote unquote, bad moments. And actually what I see is a kind of perfection. I don't see, so this, this notion that, that my kids have anything bad about them is not even something that I allow myself to entertain beyond my most stressed out triggered moments where I'm like, God, you kids suck. I can't bear being a parent. And you know, I have those like tantrums, of course, like any other human being. And then, and then I center myself and then I remember what we're talking about here. And so this, um, this thing that we've described as IFS stands for internal family systems. And what it means is if you think about just a very basic example. If you're going to go out, like a friend invites you for dinner and you've had like a really busy week, you're exhausted 
and you say you might say to your partner, look, you know, part of me really wanted to go out with Jimmy, but part of me just wanted to stay home and go, go to bed. Instinctively and intuitively, we know that inside this self, you know, when we speak about this me or this self or whatever, that we sort of describe in our language as if it's one thing, it's actually divided into different parts. We have different parts. And so society in the world tells us that there are good parts and bad parts. And our lives become defined by a gargantuan battle between what have been defined as good parts and bad parts. And the truth is, it's a war with no ending. It is a war that creates so much internal noise, you cannot hear. So much psychological, emotional noise that you cannot hear the call of your soul or your higher self. You know, my jacuzzi moment that I spoke about earlier, there was just, you know, maybe through pure anguish and pain, there was a, just a moment of silence inside where my, my psychological self finally just was like, well, I'm screwed. I'm giving up. This is totally failed. And then something different, something else could actually come through the noise. And yet normally in this paradigm where we have all these, these good parts and bad parts fighting for control over our lives, it's just so loud and noisy. And you know what happens? We self-help and everything says like, you know, overcome your procrastination or, uh, you know, be your best self, you know, I'm being my best self or my, you know, um, and all of the quote unquote bad parts just go, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go in the back door. I will just grab hold through the unconscious and I will just, I will just screw your life up round the back door. So in this shadow quest, what I do is I hold a space for people over 10 weeks to actually really for the first, probably for the first time in people's lives, create a safe space for the bad parts to actually be held in a space of love and curiosity. And what I find is every single time we do that, it's like watching a caterpillar turn into a butterfly because what I have seen through this work is there are no bad parts, period. None. Yeah. And, you know, Richard Schwartz wrote that book, No Bad Parts. Exactly. So Richard Schwartz is the founder of this, this philosophy, this way of seeing ourselves. And, and that's exactly the, the essence that he saw in his, his work as a psychiatrist was with some really profoundly, profoundly um, suffering people with major, major mental health difficulties he actually really saw and discovered that when parts of us have been stigmatized over, you know, decades and lifetimes, of course they act out in ways that seem very dysfunctional. If we can finally hold a space for them, then what I find is that pe these people who are seeking to live a life of purpose, when they can hold a space for the parts of them that are in their ear saying you're rubbish, you're no one wants what you've got, your your voice is irrelevant, 
when you can hold a space for parts of yourself like that in, in curiosity and, and unconditional love, what you can unlock there is immensely, immensely powerful. And this has been my own journey. Like I could not be here right now speaking in the way that I'm speaking to you with a sense of real um, authority, my own authority, without having uh, having brought all of the parts of myself that I was told are bad back into the fold. I couldn't, I couldn't be speaking like this. I would be self-conscious, nervous. You would be having a completely different experience of me. I love it. Myself included, you know, when you're sharing that, it's just bringing back my introduction to it was a very long time ago. Was, you know, it's now had become popular. But when I I was, you know, I'm going to use the terms restless, irritable and discontent. Mm. Um, no matter what I tried, I, I, I didn't feel good on the inside. Mm. And to your point, imposter syndrome, pretending that it's OK. Um, and I I looked at these parts like this whole concept of parts was foreign to me. Mm. And I realized, and we'll have a little experiential here, that I have a part that wants to figure things out, right? Mm. So let me read a book on it. And I think I shared this with you. I told the, the practitioner, uh, the counselor I was working with at the time, she's like, oh, there's a book on that, you know, written about it. I said, I'm not going to read the book because I have a part that wants to figure it out. And while I'm in the process of uncovering, unburdening mm. some of these parts, right? I would have a part that would try to self-knowledge it, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I was, I, I was amazed at these parts, air quotes, bad parts, right? They were just really protective mechanisms based on the things I experienced in my world that's, that behaved in a certain way to protect me, right? Totally. So growing up, we're adults. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm that little kid in my, my brain, right? There's this little, there's a kid part, right? <laughs> Everything's a part, right? Totally, Yeah. <laughs> Now that th that part is still doing its job from back years ago, right? These and parts are like stuck in time <laughs> and space way back very often, right? Yeah, they are. <laughs> and, and so then it's like, well, you know, just a, just a quick side note, imagine, you know, you're a pizza maker for all these years and like you go out of business, like what is this? part gonna do what's this person gonna do you, you know what i mean like can he right. you know and so trying to like have them hey you know understand where we're at and then maybe create something for that new part for that part Does that it it totally what you're saying resonates with what i see in practice with with people they uh you know this this guy that i was telling you about about earlier um, he's got this part of him that is afraid of the experience of fear. So if you can imagine this kind of internal configuration, 
there's a part of him he calls his maverick part. So he's got his maverick part that wants that feels really confident, really clear, and really capable, and is perfect is really trying to drive him forward and wants to say things that might be controversial, wants to build his business and his movement in a quite um you know in a quite ambitious kind of way and yet that part is tied to what he had been taught and we'll call it his kid part is a bad part that wants to run away from the spotlight that is terrified to be seen that is afraid of all the risks that this maverick part wants to take and so there's it's like this tug of war and I have people all the time hear this and they go, oh my God, I just thought I was completely schizophrenic because one minute I'm like running for the spotlight. The next minute I'm like running away from the spotlight. Like I'm, we're like, the when we don't understand this, when we don't understand that our psychological self, because because to kind of take a step back about how this happens, if you think about how we're, we're raised, think about the messages that we get about who we are and the uh, the utter inconsistency of those messages. Like one minute, you're a wonderful good boy, Todd. Good boy, well done, because you're doing exactly what mummy wants you to do. And then the next minute, you are a little piece of shit who doesn't deserve to, I mean, and people have, some people have very extreme experiences at both ends of that spectrum. Others have a less extreme um, experience of that, but almost everyone has some element of the mirroring in early life where as a child, you're trying to work out who am I and you're trying to work out who you are through the reflections that the people around you, your teachers, your parents, your friends, your peers, what they are mirroring to you about you, you are forming this idea about what you are. And so when you understand this, it makes so much sense that to be able to cope with the ridiculously varied messages that we get from you're wonderful to you're terrible, the psychological self does this amazingly brilliant thing. And it goes, well, I can't actually knit all of this together into a seamless narrative about me because it doesn't make any sense that way. So I'll just, I'll just like partition this will have the bad kid part over here, who's like a loser. We'll have the brilliant, ambitious businessman part over here, who's wonderful. And, you know, some other parts sprinkled in here, you know, usually four or five. And, and then people's lives play out, popping around, you know, one minute acting from one part, the, the loser kid part running away from everything. The next minute, the ambitious businessman. And they feel like schizophrenic. And then when they understand this, when they start to see what's actually going on inside, that they have these parts that are like a little inner family and they're, and, and they're jumping into the driving seat. Like, you know, from time to time, depending on the triggers, they go, oh my God, what a relief. I'm not crazy. Thank God, I'm not crazy. This is just, this is what's going on. And then when they kind of see, oh, and you mean you mean I could actually now like work with each one of these parts? Like I could actually get the, the, the loser kid part in 
and I could actually have a conversation with that part of me. And this guy that I just described to you, that day that he was telling me about his fear of fear, he, he, he essentially sat down him, the him that's not caught up in all of this psychological stuff. He sat down with this loser kid, quote unquote, part. And he said, he just started crying. He just started, he burst into tears. He was like crying for 10 minutes because he, he just wanted to love this part of himself that had been told over and over that it was no good. It wasn't enough. And it was, and he said, I just, I just, I cried for like 10 minutes and then I just felt so light. I felt so light and so much more whole, you know? So that's kind of what, how the, the opportunity that arises out of this is to work with your own inner environment in a completely radically different kind of way to what we're, we're used to when we believe that we just have this one schizophrenic, crazy, broken self. We're screwed. We are. And I, I love the fact, you know, that you need, it's important to have a guide. You know what I mean? Um, and I love that you're a counselor, you're a therapist. Um, and, you know, I, I encourage anybody that's interested in this work to reach out um, because it is a skillful process. I've done it for so many years with myself. I sometimes incorporate parts of it mm. in my coaching, but it's not coaching. It's therapy. Um, and you definitely want to get somebody that's, that's qualified to, to, yeah. to, to do that because there's a lot of different parts. Like we're giving you some context for the audience here of what the experience may be like. And sometimes you're just really amazed. It's really about self understanding, self awareness. Like for the, I don't like the, it's such a trite comment. You be self aware, but I'm talking a deep inner understanding of these parts. And what I love about the how this works is it gives you the ability to almost have this metacognitive approach where you can see outside of it that you're not actually in it and then when you're in it you're like whoa that part has is here and you can yeah. check in with it right? totally. i mean I, I see this all the time where people really start to grasp this and then they're like oh my god i was in a meeting i was on a conference call and i felt my quote unquote, loser kid part, absolutely terrified to let me speak amongst this, you know, group of supposedly, you know, incredible senior bright people. And they'll say, once they've learned how to do this, they'll say something like, um, so I just, just whilst I was on the call, it took me like a minute. I just sat with that part of me for a moment and it just let it tell me what it was actually frightened about. And I was, and I, and I was just able to love and hold that part. And then I unmuted and I spoke and I still spoke. I still said my thing. I still felt 
the trepidation and angst that that little part of me was feeling, but it was no longer silencing me, but it wasn't me just saying, well, screw you, bad part, go over there and stop ruining my life. It was integrated. It was, it was in fully inclusive. It was, hey, little guy, like, are you okay down there? Like, I know this is scary for you, this conference call. I know these people look frightening to you. Come here, let me hold you for a moment. I got you. I got you. It's, you're all safe. And then unmute. And let's say, you know, this maverick part, then it's like, excellent. All right, let me tell you guys on the conference call, like, how it is. And, you know, and and those moments are fully inclusive. And they're so powerful because of it. Because because all of you can show up, you know, you're not having to hide one part of yourself to preference another part of yourself. You know, you're just you, you're just all there. It's that inner, the inner acceptance, the inner awareness. And, you know, it's just beautiful. The, the work and how, how it just manifests in people's, in people's lives I was working with a client today and I, I do this as well. I'm always about parts, but I'm also about that we have habitual ways we think. Mm. And so I, I have an assessment that actually accurately measures people are like, how does that know that I have a tendency to get triggered with these thought processes? And they're, you know, and I go through that with somebody. So the client was sharing with me, he goes, I said, so what do you think? He goes, well, when this comes up, I'm going to stop. And I, you know, I'm going to stop doing this or X, Y, and Z. Right. And the reality is I, I gave him permission to say, you're not going it, to, it's going to come up. Like these things are going to come up. Like, I think we walk around and this was my thinking before I've done some work on myself. Like, I want to stop doing X, Y, and Z. I want to, this part of myself, here we go. I don't like when this shows up. Mm. I want to get rid of it. Right. Let's get rid of that. Let's yeah. get rid of this. And yeah. so that actually probably makes it worse because it it's there. It needs to under, you know, it needs to express itself. It needs, it needs to be some awareness. Right. And I said, how about let's, when it comes up, because we know it's going to come up and just honor it and that it's there and check in with it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just, oh, a, yes. just, just, uh, just, you know, it doesn't have to be. And after you've done this, you know, you're, and I'm sure you've had this with your clients where you could almost self do your own parts work when you start to Honestly. get some awareness on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I, one of the first steps I like to take with people who are interest, interested in this journey of embracing what they've been told are bad or just inconvenient parts. Like, like you said, the parts that we're just like, okay, I want to get rid of the imposter syndrome part. I want to get rid of the self-critical part. I want to get rid of those parts. And, you know, ultimately they're a part of you. So you cannot, I mean, believe me, I tried, like <laughs> I tried to get rid of these parts in quite a exhaustive fashion. Like I was committed to getting rid of these parts of me that I felt were dragging me down. And 
it, I liken it to like, I was trying to use one arm to cut off the other arm. You know, what a counterproductive thing to do. So what I like to do for people, and you know, if anyone's listening to this, this is a great way into actually seeing how this might work for you. I like to draw people a physical map of these parts. I like to have a, a mind map where you can take away from that conversation a really clear distillation that we really get to just by asking you about what are you noticing about how your life is being led? What What's going on? Tell me about how you're showing up what behavior you're noticing, what thinking patterns and so forth. And through a conversation, we can actually discover, okay, how has this psychological self turned out to be structured in these discrete parts? And crucially, what are the relationships between these different parts? Because very often they're fighting. They hate each other. They're like a dysfunctional family. That's why it's called internal family systems because they're screwed, like a screwed up family. That's very often what you find. And so in that session, we, we, we uncover what, which, what the parts are. We uncover a little bit about like, what does each of these parts believe? What are they, what's their agenda? What are they trying to achieve? What do they value in life? Well, this part just values hiding and never, ever being seen. This part values like approval and um, being loved and, you know, getting the light shined on it. And once we've done that, then we go like, okay, so who's in alliance with who? Who hates who? Who's fighting in here? And once you understand like, that dynamic and learn to then, the next step is that we do in this 10 weeks is then we learn how to actually engage with the family. How do we how do we bring the inner family to some kind of like family inner family therapy kind of session where we get all of these parts together and start to have them, you know, a, a, a really uh, meeting of minds, and I call it a reunification, um, an opportunity to reunify yourself, and and when we see these parts like end their war and they start collaborating and when you have the 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 kid part freaking out about something and another part going oh let me just immediately come over here and just just hold you a little bit i got you all of a sudden you have this wonderfully collaborative inner family that feels so much more whole that life then can flow with your purpose through this beautiful integrated functional inner family of parts and life can now go oh fantastic i can move out here in the world now because i'm not having to come through this dysfunctional fighting self there's there's no no resistance and so then we find ourselves on a i find myself on a podcast with with todd pathway to purpose and this conversation just flowing out of me because inside I'm not feeling this war going on, this conflict, you know, all this noise. And it's such a relief. It's such a relief to be just living my purpose instead of searching for my purpose. I love that you shared that. So circling back to the purpose, right? Like when we start to integrate unburden some of these parts that may need some of that, right? 
I, I truly believe, and to your point, that we start to really access this this inner higher self, whatever you want to call higher, you know, which gives us this guidance to our purpose. And like we started the conversation out, like, you know, we kind of feel guilty. Like, what's our purpose here? Like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I need to like part the Red Sea or I need to find a cause for, you know, if it's nothing more than this gigantic United Way thing, then we're nothing, right? And so when we really understand that it's ourselves that we innately, what do you think, and my question, I'm kind of going the long way around on this, is what do you think our innate real being purpose is? Like almost, you know, what do you think that is? I, the way I feel about it right now, and for me, this is a constantly evolving inquiry and, and ongoing question. But as I see it right now, um, I think there's, when we first come to this question of purpose, there's naturally an immaturity in how we think about it. We think about my purpose. What's my purpose? It's very, it's still very individual. And it sets up this great conflict because very often then we're like, oh, my purpose is to help lots of people out there in in the world around us. And suddenly there's this, this icky, difficult feeling where you're like, oh God, I feel like conflicted because I'm like saying that this is all about the world, but actually the way I've come into this whole question is that it's actually about me. It's about like, to go back to my jacuzzi moment, I was unhappy and purpose was going to save me. Right. And so for me, what I've seen as I've kind of matured and stayed with this question is that it's less about my purpose and it's more about life's purpose for me. And, and, and really getting clear more on a daily basis than in a sort of macro long-term elaborate vision kind of way. What would life have me do? What would life have me do? You know, and, and like right now, what life would have me do is come here and talk to you. And really one of the keys to this has been being able to let go of all of the need to know where this is all going like we said this before we hit record on this conversation, we were talking about, you know, where we're going to go. And it was a very brief conversation because we both said we've no idea. And <laughs> there was both a look of like glee and joy in our faces because at this point, I think in both of our lives, we're at a point where, where we're able to live in and embrace that kind of uncertainty. But when we're first coming to this and when we're psychologically conflicted and desperately seeking a purpose to make us feel whole, which doesn't really work, then of course, what we're going to do is try to um, try to pull in all of these things from the outside 
to make us feel whole and we just get so confused and lost in that and so it's just so nice to let go of all the need to know the need to know and this is so hard to do but when when you can do it when you can be there for all the parts of you that need to know i had a client just like a few weeks ago she's like oh my god for the first time in my life i don't need to know and when we started this conversation we were like what are we going to talk about like and you're like I think we're going to start with purpose, but beyond that, I've no idea. And we'll just see. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like that sounds great. And for me, that's like a growing maturity in how I live. My purpose is a surrender to not knowing, which doesn't mean I'm not organized and that I don't have objectives and goals and structure. Like it's both, you know, it's a dichotomy. It's a dichotomy. It's, and it's when we tap into the not knowing, I call the not knowing the knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's that it. We, we really come from an inspired place. And mm-hmm. if we can tap into that inspired place, we're here. Like you said, living life, right? It's here right. For, for people, for each other, for the yeah. the the whole alignment on it which i i i think is wonderful you yeah. know my my teacher kind of has described this as um when we're really living our purpose it's like your actions are for and on behalf of the whole you are acting for the whole as the whole you are not acting for yourself And yet at the same time, you are the whole and therefore acting for the whole is acting for yourself as well. It's fully, it's fully inclusive. And it's so interesting because just now when we were just talking a couple of minutes ago, I noticed my mind just started to blank and I, I lost my train of thought. And in that moment, I noticed like, I noticed a part of me come up and be like, oh no, 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 no. I forgot what I'm, where am I going? What am I saying? I'm going to look like an idiot. And I was just able in that moment to just really just literally in a split second, having done this work a lot, like just to hold that part and reassure that it's okay to not know. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to be imperfect. And then it just relaxed a little bit. And then what I experienced was this sort of dropping into what you just described as the not knowing that is the knowing. And I, I call that the don't know mind, the don't know mind. So I sort of dropped into the don't know mind and then suddenly effortlessly easily there it was. It's just like when you, whenever you lose your train of thought and the more you try and think what you're going to say, you can't think of it. And then you change the topic and then there it is like that, you know, exactly what you're going to say. Like, what if we could live our lives from that place? Yeah. Not knowing. That's actually knowing. I love how you said that. It's like, it's so cool. It's in the experience of it is, And I wanted to segue to this because I think I wanted to bring up joy, Mm. right? And in the journey, right? So 
we go, we think that when I get there or when I'm better or when this problem isn't affecting me, then I will be happy and there'll be this, it's like this fantastical thinking, right? And I call it fantasy thinking, right? And so this is some of the work that I've done with people. And then we could go from that to worry, right? We go back and forth and all this, but it's, re it's really, you know, learning how to enjoy where you are, even in the midst of that, right? right. In the right. midst of that. Um, and I'll use an example for, you know, a common people, myself included in the past, like, you ever have a bad job, right? <laughs> job oh, yeah. <laughs> that you just didn't like, right? Yeah, only for like only for like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're in the mind space of all of these things going on in that the melon that we have, right? It's so hard to like you're not gonna find joy even when you get there. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> Totally. It's an illusion, right? So the, yeah. the job, let me use the job as an example, right? Like I have a job that's challenging. You know, I, I help people in different ways and I love it, right? And then I do another job where I help people in another way because I do nursing. And it's such a challenging field now, but I found some hidden joys in it that when I was full of mind, I was like, I got to get out of this. This is, right. oh my God. But there's a connection. So if you're not finding a level of joy or connection or whatever with what you're doing, it's a good kind of barometer of like, get this place kind of on target. I could not agree with you more. Like wholeheartedly, if you can't enjoy what like what you're in now unless you unless you're being tortured or unless you're being abused or um you know there are some caveats to this you sure. know if you're being if you're being abused if you're in an abusive relationship you know your chances of feeling joy are pretty much zero no matter no matter what and and that needs to be addressed but for the vast majority of people if you can't find joy and and maybe we could say peace in right where you are, then exactly as you so beautifully said just now, Todd, you are going to take that way of being, that mindset, that self that believes it's always missing something. You're going to take that to the next moment and the next moment and the next moment, and you can get all your dreams fulfilled and you will still be sitting there going it's not enough i'm not enough what's missing something's missing because that has become a habitual way of being so i actually love that like you kind of pointed to this this sort of practice of being in a like in a job that you know maybe your mind has said is like monotonous or like with all with like all my kids, there comes like a lot of domestic chores. And my mind would have me believe that I can't be happy in those moments when I'm doing those things, or I can't be at peace because there's other things that I want want to be doing. And 
I like to turn those moments into a moment of evolution because I'm like, if I can't be happy and fulfilled changing the sheets on this bed, then I don't stand a chance of being happy in anything. It's it's all the same thing, you know? <laughs> it's the same principle wherever you go. And so if you have a way of being that always puts happiness into the future and based on certain conditions, you will ruin a very legitimate life purpose for yourself. You, you just will. Well, if my life's anything to go by, that's what I did until I didn't. Yeah, yeah. And the and there's this delusion, right? So it's it's very self-centered. Like I, I had to look at this self, look at this in myself at one point. It's like, oh, this works for them, but not for me. If you had the life, like I'm busy, I'm I'm busy, I'm working three jobs, I'm barely all, you know, barely putting food on the table. All of these extraneous, right? It's that very that very thinking, right, is what separates us and keeps us in some form of di dysfunctional safety. Would you? Right. I don't I, mean to use the word dysfunctional, but toxic. I'm trying to search for the word or negative. Let me use negative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear I hear this a lot in myself and a lot in people I work with. If only you knew what I'm like or what I've been through, or what my situation is, or my financial circumstances, or my childhood trauma, or my ADHD, or my, um, you know, whatever. Like, I'm uniquely screwed up in some way that makes it impossible, or I'm uniquely configured, we could say, in a way that makes it actually impossible to enjoy, to find joy, in my circumstances and in my life as it is right now. And I think what we're saying is we call bullshit on that. Like okay. I call bullshit and that doesn't have, that process doesn't have to mean that there isn't some truth also in the statement that your life is creating pain for you. Like I just had a moment this morning with my coach where I realized that, well, she helped me see that I was doing something in my business that was really not in alignment with me. It just wasn't. And it was making me feel bad. And so it's not like uh, there is no opportunity to have to make change in our external circumstances. And and that those we're not saying that, you you know, it's all just purely an inside thing and nothing needs to change out there. But what what you find is when you bias this whole process towards the, the inside, then the external starts to shift, which then then helps create shift more shifts inside and it becomes a virtuous circle. So, so it is good to look at how your external circumstances are not in alignment with your values or your integrity or whatever. That's helpful. But then do the inner work first and then see the change happen kind of spontaneously as a, as a result. I often say that about, you know, people making life, big life decisions is start to, once you start to do this work, the not knowing, and I'm using this because we had fun with it. The knowing yeah. and not knowing will give you mm. the answer. Right. I think that this is, this is, I'm so glad that you 
went here because I think this is really vital for people to to hear. Um, because what I think when we come to this question of purpose, we come in a very um, attached, controlled and controlling kind of way where we feel like, you know, it's on me. I've got to create this purpose. I've got to do it. And I've got to know. I've got to know how it's all going to work. Like I've got to be this all powerful God that knows what to do and how to do it and all that kind of stuff. And I think what you're pointing to in that is this, this continuous place of surrender, this continuous place of sitting, like just, just a moment of silence like that to just stop. Like I just suddenly realized as I was talking, I was like, Hmm, I don't think I know exactly what, how to say this. So I'm just like, just stop just a moment. And out of that stillness, suddenly something starts to emerge and it happens without me having to try. It's that simple. It's that simple. And that's why we miss it because we're looking for something complicated. It's that it's in that. And I, I share with people that in a moment you could find this peace and there's noise, there's pain, there's movement, there's what I found in a lot of my journey was me trying to manage, you know, like hurting cats in the head, right? Like we've shared before, <laughs> created a lot of mental energy and anxiety, <laughs> trying to keep it down, trying to push this part away, trying to right. do this, like creates all this stuff and small simple change can make the biggest difference the in world of the world of difference you can you can pull the rug out from under like 50% of the noise that prevents you from being in tune with your true or your higher self literally by ending war between different facets or parts of yourself once there is a commitment to not being at war inside still could be confusing and a little chaotic but once there's a commitment from every single part of you to not be at war anymore the noise almost immediately dials way down and and this I, I mean, I, the, the way I often think about it is that very often where people are struggling with their purpose and their fulfillment of that purpose is that they're not consistently or reliably accessing this place, this higher self that we're speaking about, this place of not knowing that knows. Like, it really can only come from there. It will come... It will come from there and through your everyday garden variety psychological self, for sure. It's not like that has to go or something, but it will it will emanate from your innately whole, complete, loving, generous center that every single one of us, whether we're aware of it or not, 
is. And once we can dial down this noise, then, I mean, I just, I see it in you, Todd. I look at you and I'm like, this is a guy who has dialed down the noise and is, and is hearing from his higher self and is living, a living embodiment, imperfectly, if you're anything like me, but a living embodiment very often of something, something bigger, something greater. You're a force of nature, Todd. That's what I'm trying to say. Matt, I appreciate it. Uh, and you likewise, you know, and, and to be the, I think people are searching for authentic, real, and that is what you offer, Matt. And it's, it's about really connecting to our true self. Right. And what I love about it is that the way we connect to our true self is through the redemption and unconditional love of every part of ourselves that we have believed is bad. What a beautiful, like, can you imagine a more beautiful, it's almost like life says the only way to your true self is through love of everything in yourself that you thought was bad. And it's the only way the gates will, the gates of heaven you know, will only open once you fall in love with every part of you. And that is why, for me, my work where I'm constantly helping people to really love the unlovable, what they've determined as unlovable. I mean, that work is like etched into my soul, into my heart, because as a kid, I felt so utterly, utterly unlovable so broken, so ugly, so unworthy. And I, I joke, I feel like I came out of the womb ashamed of myself, you know, like day one, you know, it just felt like it was there. And so to really sit here, age 43, and to be able to look you in the eye and say that I have fallen in love with myself and that that has led me to the discovery of a self that includes but surpasses everything that we've just described, um, just blows my mind. And I, and I just look forward to helping more and more people know that within themselves that we're speaking about here today. Because it's it's a complete. It's like coming alive. It's a completely different experience of of life. And I know you know in your show here so often you're talking to people who are living from this place. And, and if you're somebody listening to this and you're going like, and you're doubtful and you're like, I kind of intuit that there is another experience of life, but you know, I'm kind of caught up in all this stuff and I doubt whether it really is. And can it really be possible for me? I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> it's possible for everyone because it's who we are, you know? And I was one of those. And I realized I had that, that was a part. Mm. Totally. Totally. That, Me too. Yeah. That I isolated myself because I was more messed up than anybody in the world. <laughs> and nobody else could help me. Right. You know, I was very lucky about six or seven years ago, I had an amazing, amazing coach who was like, 
like a granddad kind of character. And he did a great job of making sure everyone knew just how screwed up he was. And he was speaking as this very enlightened, soulful character. And he had helped me to believe that if it was possible for him, then it might be possible for me. And he was so generous in that. And so I try to do this. I try, I try to pass on the same gift, which is why I tell people I come out the the womb ashamed of myself because I really want people to get from that, that um, if somebody who so profoundly believes that there's something fundamentally flawed about him can actually experience him, himself in this radical, radically different way, then I, I want people to hear that, that, that that's possible for, for all of us. It might not be easy. It might take a bit of work, but but it's possible. It is possible. And, and I coming from a guy that didn't think it was to somebody that, um, really had worked through a lot of different things. And, and honestly, if I hadn't done the work, um, I don't think I'd be here sharing that and, I'm going to refer back a little bit to your, you call it the jacuzzi experience. I'm still stuck on the treadmill. <laughs> visually kind of watching what this might've looked like. Yeah. <laughs> and like, did you have a bruise on your head or I whatever? Was <laughs> the main bruise was on my ego, which turned out to be perfect. Right. But it, I love that moment, that moment that really gives you a glimpse of, of clarity. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've had many kind of moments like that, but, you know, being diagnosed with a brain tumor and really looking like what really matters here. Right. It kind of strips away all that nonsense, right. mm -hmm. like that you, the mind noise. And it's, it, it wasn't more money. Like, you know, somebody might be sitting here, well, I'm so busy. I don't have money and whatever that reason, right. Once that stuff gets stripped away, I realized that it was about connection with other people mm -hmm. and helping other people. Like all I cared, like people were just having conversations. I so valued that, right. When you pull that stuff away, but it's yeah. in those deep challenges sometimes where we have, a, a breakthrough you yeah know? you know the, the clouds the image that comes for me is like you know depending on where you live in the world sometimes you would bet like i grew up in england and some days you would barely believe there was a sun because it was like raining and clouded and all that kind of stuff and i think mentally and emotionally we live in a naturally very clouded space because that's how we've been conditioned and and then for me in that moment as I sat there in that in that jacuzzi just by gr sheer grace just by grace totally without me doing anything just for a moment the clouds parted and suddenly I saw the sun and just in, just got a long enough look at it to really see that I needed to change the entire course of, of my life and actually start to examine what are these clouds? What are these clouds? And by clouds, I'm really talking about these parts. Like, you know, and if we're just trying to get rid of the clouds, that seems to just generate more of them. Uh, so 
counterintuitively, the, the learning is like the more we actually embrace these parts, the more translucent they ironically become and the more we see the sun that sits behind them. And that is just, well, it's just so exciting to see that. Matt, thank you so much for coming on and just having this amazing conversation for, for, for starters. Thank you too, because um, you just said before about, you realized that life was about really about for you connection and making a difference in people's lives. And from the moment I met you, and we've, we've just talked a couple of times now, I felt this great availability for connection. Like we, we both have different backgrounds, you know, quite different demographically, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And yet there is this, this intimacy that I've experienced with you in these two conversations that has been such a, um, such a gift and such a, um, a joyous experience to just be in this beautiful connection with you. And I really thank you for, you know, being open in a way that allows us to have this connection and to be through this conversation, embodying what it is that we're actually talking about that makes a difference when it comes to making your life a purposeful life. You know, likewise, I like, you know, I'm a, when the noise quiets and there's a message, right? Yeah. An email. Yeah. There's no coincidences, right? And I'm like, wow, that was great. And that's what sparked that. You and and the and we just really connected on a lot of different things. Yeah. But one final question for the person out there who's like tried everything, mm. who's just struggling, you know. What what kind of words of wisdom? What what would you say to them? Yeah. I would say trust the struggle in a weird way. As hard as this is to do, see if you can reach for the possibility that this struggle is inherently intelligent if only you stopped pushing the struggle away. Let yourself have a breakdown. Just get it over with. Like, have a breakdown. Come undone, however you do it. Like, and you can't make yourself have a breakdown. So it's a paradox, right? The more you try to make yourself have a breakdown, the more you're not, that, the more you're trying to control it because a breakdown is a letting go. And so it's a very spontaneous thing. But so paradoxically, it's like, be open to have, just falling apart a bit. And I promise you, when you let yourself fall apart in a way to bring this conversation like full circle, if we hear that language fall apart, it's like all of these parts, when we fall apart, they stop trying to control and direct your life, fall apart and then wait and see what happens. There's a, there's a great quote by Glennon Doyle. She says, um, Pain is like a traveling professor who goes from door to door and the smartest people I know open the door, let him in, 
and say, what do you have to teach me? And how often do we slam the door shut and barricade ourselves from our pain? And our pain is there to change us and evolve us. And so that's what I, what I have for that person. And what I also have for that person is I, I freaking love you. I am so sorry that you're going through such a challenging experience of life. And I just want to know, want that person to know from my heart that I get it. It's really hard and trust the wisdom of your pain. I, I don't think anybody could have said that better. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah. I believe that that last few sentences and probably everything in between was divinely inspired. Um, I felt it for sure. Yeah. So Me too. Me too. that was, that was awesome. Matt, thank you so much for being yeah. part of the show, sharing your experience and you know what you're doing out there in the world. Where can they find you again? So go to matthewcooksey.com. And when you go there, I have this free download that also comes with a whiteboard like animation video that really kind of gives you like a three minute summary distillation of this whole conversation so that you can really kind of grasp what we're talking about here. So you can get that there. It also comes with a, um, a really fun piece that I created called Nine Signs. You have a masterpiece trapped inside you. And it's a kind of fun but deep read where you can kind of self-identify some of the pinch points where you might be getting stuck on this journey towards your, your life purpose. So come find me over there and, you know, it'd be my joy to support you in whatever way I can. That And one thing we didn't share about is where are you located? You were born? Yes. In- True. I was born in England, but I live in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I've lived here for 11 years. So my accent is a little bit all over the place. You know, it's like I, I just went to England. I just went to London. And so it like snapped back into like, you know, <laughs> British English. But now I'm kind of returning to my Aussie Aussie roots. And uh, yeah, I live here uh, in Australia. And it's just a, you know, it's a beautiful place to live and to be sort of living this whole question of purpose because the whole culture of the country is a very positive kind of expansive um, country that feels like it's full of possibility. So it's a great place to be. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for for coming on the show and um, we'll post everything in the show notes here as well. So thank, thank you, Matt.